This morning's scripture reading before John's message would be from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you're using the red uh, Bible on the back of the pew in front of you, it'd be on page 895. And the Bible says, As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go, wash in the the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and came back seeing. The miracles of Jesus can teach us so much about who he is and about what we need. In John chapter nine, there's this discussion about the healing of a blind man, a man who was born blind. He wasn't blind because of some accident in his life, because he'd looked into the sun too long. He was born that way. And when Jesus healed him, he used that opportunity to talk about sin. If you're looking at John chapter nine in your Bible, I want you to look at verse 40. As John tells us about this account and the discussion that follows the blind man being made to see, Jesus implies that the Pharisees, the rulers of Israel, are blind. They ask the question, are we blind also? And then I want you to look at Jesus' response in John 9, verse 41. In John 9, verse 41, Jesus links blindness with sin. You see that? If you had been blind, your sin would be taken away, Jesus says. But instead now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. What happens in John 9 is that a case of literal blindness and a man being made to see becomes a metaphor for people who are lost and in sin. Are we blind also? And Jesus says, If you persist in sin, yes, you are. We just sang the song, Amazing Grace. The first verse, I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. The Bible teaches that when we're in sin, when we persist in sinful behaviors, we are, metaphorically speaking, blind. And as you look at this particular chapter in John chapter 9, what you'll look at and see, if you look at the individuals and the groups that are portrayed in this chapter, it's fascinating what you can learn about how we can be made to see and what we can learn about blindness in the process. I'd like to call your attention as we look at John 9 this morning to five groups or five individuals. And I want to call your attention to these because there's something to be learned from each of them. Glenn just read to us from John chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and I want to begin this morning by talking about the disciples themselves, the people who were following Jesus. 
At the end of John chapter 8, the Bible says that they were on their way into the temple. And there happened to be at the gate, as they were passing by, this man who was born blind. And the disciples ask an interesting question. Look at John chapter 9, verse 2. The question they ask is, Rabbi, who sinned? That this man, was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? And so as they're passing by this man in the temple and there he is and he's begging for whatever people will give him because he has no other way of earning a living. And the question they ask is not, Rabbi, should we help this man? Or Rabbi, is there something that could be done for him? What can you do, Jesus? We've seen you heal lepers. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you speak to the storm and cause the wind to cease immediately. Rabbi, is there anything you can do for him? Those questions didn't come out of their mouths if they ever crossed the disciples' minds. Rather, the question that the disciples asked, Lord, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? There was apparently a prevailing assumption that people, because of their sin, were condemned or afflicted with various illnesses or maladies. Even in John chapter 9, if you look down in verse 34, the Pharisees say to this man who's now been healed of his blindness, they say, you are completely born in sins, and are you trying to teach us? That was their way of explaining things away explaining problems in people's lives. Well, this man must have sinned or his parents were guilty of a terrible sin. Therefore, he is facing this terrible problem of blindness. Jesus says it wasn't this man and it wasn't his parents' sin that was responsible. The reason why this man is blind is so that the glory of God might be manifested in him. We need to be careful as Christians about turning problems that we see around us into very easily solvable theological discussions. We need to be careful about that. These people sounded like they're sitting around the table at a board meeting. Let's talk about this guy and his problems and let's analyze it. Let's come to a conclusion about why he's facing what he's facing. Some people, brothers and sisters, are blind to the needs of hurting people. And what I want you to notice about Jesus is, Jesus doesn't go into a lot of theological discussion. He answers the question very quickly, and then he begins to help the blind man. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, the mission of Jesus was to bring sight to those who are blind, among many other things. We need to remember that. When people are hurting, what they need is help. We need to teach the scripture. We need to help people understand what God's will is. But let's not be blind to the suffering of others. As you look at this particular passage, secondly, let's learn from the blind man. Glenn read for us just a moment ago, verses 6 and 7. The man who was born blind, Jesus begins to have a discussion with him, and Jesus provides a treatment for him. It's really unusual. We talked last week about how the words of Jesus, all he had to do was say the word, be made to see open your eyes or something to that effect. Jesus could have just spoken the words and the man would have been healed. But Jesus doesn't do that in this particular case. Look at verse six. Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. Okay, that's kind of strange. But even stranger, he takes this clay that he's made 
and he puts it on the man's eyes. And then he tells the man in verse 7, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Not just any pool will do. I want you to go to a particular pool, which translated means sent. And when the man who was blind went and washed, the Bible says in verse 7, he came back seeing. What do you learn about blindness? What do you learn about Jesus just from this man's experience? I learned, first of all, this man acknowledged he knew he was blind. Literally, he was blind. When we look at the metaphor that Jesus is using, blindness is equated with being in sin. It's a wise thing indeed for us to acknowledge. We're lost without Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, verse 23. Without Christ, we're blind. Notice as well, as you look at this particular man's experience, he did not question the prescription. I remember many years ago listening to Brother Marshall Keeble preach a sermon about this particular man, and he said he must have been a nice fella because he just stood there and let the Savior work. Think about it. That's not exactly the most logical treatment for blindness. Spit on the ground, make clay, put it on your eyes. But if Jesus is at work, if he has prescribed something, don't question the prescription, just do what the doctor says. He's the great physician. He has the perfect prescription for everything if we'll just listen and obey. And so the blind man was humble enough to do just that. Jesus said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he didn't say, well, you know, I've got a, I've got a little vat of water a lot closer than the pool of Siloam. I could find another place to wash. He did exactly what the Lord described. And when he followed the Lord's commands exactly, what do you know? He obeyed the great physician. He allowed him to work and he was able to see. The Bible teaches brothers and sisters and friends that all of us are blind. We're blind in sin until we submit to Christ's will. You know, there are some people that really need to think about these things this morning. There are some among us that need to think about what the Bible teaches concerning spiritual blindness. The great physician can heal you. He can help you to see. He can cause you to have your eyes opened. But what you have to do is you have to believe that he's really the great physician. And then look at the prescription. Look at what he said to do. He's given all of us a prescription to follow. He's told all of us how we can find salvation. If anyone wills, if you want to know what God's will is, you'll find it in the words of Christ. John 7, verse 17. Listen to what he teaches. The man knew he was blind, but he followed what the prescription was. Notice this third, as you look at this particular passage, there's a long discussion that begins. After this man is made to see, that's when the real action kind of starts, it looks like. Because all of a sudden, everybody is kind of curious about who this guy is. In fact, it's kind of interesting in verse 9, people are disputing whether this is even the same guy that we used to see in the temple gate. And what seems to have been happening was a lot like what happens nowadays. You know, when you pull up to the roundabouts at the, at the major interchanges around here, at the access roads, and there's somebody standing there with a sign, they say, I'm just hungry, could use anything, God bless. You know the signs. And, and most drivers do. 
what kind of comes naturally in those situations, don't make eye contact. If, if you don't make eye contact, they, they won't come up to your window and, and stand close to you and, and, and you can just drive on your way and, and they're out of sight, out of mind. And that seems to have been what people were doing with this particular man as he begged in the gate of the temple. I've got worship to accomplish. I've got things to do. And so nobody ever really looked very closely at this guy. And so they're not really sure it's him. And so the Pharisees, they go and get his parents because they want to know who has healed this man on the Sabbath of all things. More about that in just a moment. Who has healed this man against what we think is the law and what we think is the commandment of God. And so they find this man's parents and the blind man's parents, they're fascinating because you can imagine parents who've, who've given birth to this, this baby and the baby was blind and they raised their baby and they loved their son to be sure. And when he came of age, he didn't have any way of making a living for himself. And so he ended up begging in the gate of the temple. They still loved their son and they knew what had been done to him. And if you look at verses 20 and 21 of John chapter nine, his parents say, when they say, you know, what happened to your son? Tell us. And the parents are kind of in a tough position because Jesus healed their son. And if they confess that Jesus healed their son, they've got a problem because the Pharisees have already decided that he's gonna, he's gonna be a reason for excommunication. If you, if you believe in Jesus, if you confess him, you can't be a part of the synagogue anymore. And so in verse 20, here's what the parents do. They say, we know, yes, this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him yourself. All right, if they verbalize their conviction, they know their son's been healed. But look at verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Standing order. If you wanna be a part of the synagogue, you wanna to continue to have friendships with us, you wanna to continue to associate with us, the Jews, do not, under any circumstances, confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Don't do that. That's going to cost you. So they saw the consequences of verbalizing their convictions, and they were afraid to tell the people about the great things that Jesus did. Full of fear. Did you know that there are a lot of Christians who are in the same boat as the parents? There are a lot of people that believe the right things about Jesus and the great things that he's able to do. There are a lot of people that really deep down believe that Jesus is divine, that he is able to, to heal and to save. They believe those things, but they're not gonna say anything about it. They're not gonna verbalize that for fear of what people might think, for fear of what people might say. And so, what we learn from the parents of the blind man, fear keeps some people silent, and silence keeps some people blind. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ being God's power unto salvation. It's not just good things that we do to people, but it is the things that we say to people that come from the word of God that save their souls, that teach them God's will for their lives.
Don't let fear keep you silent. Don't let silence keep you blind. The young, this man's parents were. Notice this, number four this morning. As you look at different groups and individuals, the longest discussion in this chapter is centered on the Pharisees. The Pharisees were people who were highly thought of. They knew a lot about the Bible. They knew a lot about God's will. And if you had a religious question, you'd go and ask a Pharisee in the first century. And so when this man was healed of his blindness, when he was made to see, naturally people brought him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were troubled by this because really this man was made to see, then that means that Jesus is more than just a man. It means that he's more than just a teacher. There's something powerful. There's something interesting. There's something significant about who he is. And so in verse 16, one of the things you notice about the Pharisees is that what Jesus did was he threatened their authority. They liked being the ones that everybody came to for answers. They liked being the ones that were highly thought of. And if somebody else comes along and is a better teacher than they are, if somebody else comes along and has more power than they do, they're threatened by that, the Pharisees. They had already judged Jesus. Didn't matter what evidence came to their attention. It didn't matter what kind of evidence was, was given to them. They had made up their minds already. Jesus is not God's son. He's not the Messiah. And if you say he is, you're disqualified from fellowship with us. And not only that, as you watch what they do with this man, they interview him, they interview his parents, they interview him again. And at every turn, what the Pharisees are doing is saying, it's not possible that Jesus is from God. It's not possible that, we, we already know that that's the case. He could not be divine. He could not be the Messiah. There must be some other explanation. Give it to us. And the man who is born blind, who's been made to see, he just responds to them over and over and over again. All I know is this man caused me to see. I don't have anything else to tell you. This is the evidence before you. This man was made, this man made me to see. Why were the Pharisees blind? The Pharisees were blind because of their pride. Brothers and sisters and friends, they wouldn't admit that there was something in their lives that they were wrong about. They wouldn't admit that maybe, just maybe, they had missed the boat concerning something that God had taught or that God was revealing in their own time through Jesus Christ. They wouldn't admit it. They had authority, they had power, they had esteem from other people, and they were not willing to sacrifice any of that so that they could know Jesus and really see the truth. Proverbs 16, verse 18 tells us that pride goes before a fall, a haughty spirit before destruction. In John chapter 9, verse 41, think about the implication of Jesus' words. If you were blind, you would have no sin. What's he saying to the Pharisees? He's saying, if you would admit that you don't have all the answers, if you'd admit that the evidence staring you in the face points to me and points to my greatness, if you'd admit those things, you'd have no sin. You'd find forgiveness. You'd find cleansing. But as it is, you say, we see. You've decided you've got the answers. There's nothing anybody can teach you, and there's nothing that additional evidence is going to do to convince you otherwise. You say we see, therefore your sin remains. Pride 
just as it blinded the Pharisees, will blind people today. It'll cause us to remain in our sin. We need to be careful in our study of God's word. We need to be careful in our interactions with others that there is a spirit of humility and gentleness and reproachability and reasonableness in the way that we approach the word of God. Are any of us so well versed in scripture that there's nothing that this book has left to teach us? We need to listen to the principles and precepts of God's word and allow God's word to change us and to transform us. Otherwise, we're just as blind as the Pharisees. Number five, think about Jesus. What does this chapter reveal about him? In John chapter nine, verse five, he is the light of the world. You and I will remain blind until we see Jesus as the light of the world. He brings answers to questions that had no answers until he arrived. He is the great physician, the one who knows how to heal every malady, every disease, and sin is the greatest disease, the greatest malady that any of us will ever face because you take sin with you when you die. Sin sticks to you after you leave this life. He's the great physician who can take away sin. He is the son of man, John chapter nine, verse 35. He is the judge of who is truly blind. When he told those Pharisees, you're still blind, he was right. And he has the right to make that distinction about us. What does God want from you and me this morning? Two things. God wants us to admit that without Jesus, we are blind. If he's not part of my life and if I haven't submitted to his will, if I haven't obeyed his word, I'm blind. I'm not seeing things properly. I'm not seeing things from God's perspective. I'm not seeing things the way that God wants me to see. God wants us to admit that without Jesus, I'm blind. Secondly, Jesus wants us to come to him, to follow his divine prescription so that we might truly see. Just as he spat on the ground and made clay and put it on that man's eyes, he's given you and me a prescription. You know what it is? Believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and be baptized. When we're baptized in water, our sins are washed away. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. When we're baptized in water, we put on Christ. Galatians 3, verse 27. When we're baptized in water, we're buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. Romans 6, verses 3 through 6. The great physician has given us the prescription. Will you admit that you're blind? Will you submit to his will? Will you do what he says? Are we blind also? Or will we listen to the light of the world who shows us how to overcome blindness? Open your songbooks to the song that was opened just a moment ago, that was announced just a moment ago. If we can help you to obey the gospel this morning, Heaven's invitation is yours, as together we stand and as we sing. The gentle voice of Jesus falleth tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his cry of love and pity calleth, turn and listen, stay.